Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number six. Today, I'll be talking with Lisa Van On, and we talk about abuse, the use of I am statements, and taking responsibility. I think you'll really enjoy this episode, so let's dive in. Hey friend, let's talk real talk here for a second before the episode begins. Some of the audio here isn't going to be first class. Listening back, at times it sounds like I'm in a tin can. This is me learning. At first, I was embarrassed and a little mortified about putting it out there. But here's the thing. There are some amazing guests in these interviews. And they are people whom I think you need to hear from and hear the message that they have to share. Please don't let my audio distract you from their message. Another thing is, this podcast and my blog are my passions. I am always telling all of you to pursue your passions. That starts with one baby step at a time. I will learn podcasting and I'm committed to making it better. But just like you, this is me pursuing my passion, tin can and all. So I'm taking my own advice and stepping into the arena and figuring it all out one step at a time. With that, let's hop in, shall we? Be confident, be bold, be authentic, but don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, we're glad you're here. Today's guest is Lisa Vanon. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. First off, before we go any further, I've got to ask, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? I'm pretty badass. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) First off, will you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I work with young women, um, usually 8 to 18. I work with young young adult women as well, too, teaching self-confidence and self-protection. So I have a program called the I Am Initiative, and all of my workshops and events and uh, retreats are surrounding helping girls identify who they are in the world and help them trust what they feel so that they can take positive action in their life. Nice. How did you get into that? Well, I had a really difficult time growing up. I had a, a, a traumatic youth and I wasn't going in a direction that was going to take me to badass. Frankly, <laughs> I was living a victim, a, a victim life and that was my trajectory. And then I found the sport of kickboxing and it turned everything around for me. So once I started kickboxing and fighting and training, 
I was able to shift that trajectory from victim to victor, become a strong, confident woman. And then when I completed fighting, when I was finished fighting, I realized that what I had learned over the years was something that I could share with other girls and hopefully, possibly help them avoid some of the difficulty and the hard roads that I, that I went on, right? So I started the I Am Initiative to work with girls, teach them how to punch and kick and be more confident in who they are in the world. I love that. That's so great. So when you first started kickboxing, were you confident? No. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Honestly, I believe that I, I believe there's a, a proper order, which is think, feel, act. So first you have a thought, then you have a feeling that you attach to that thought, and then you take that action. So if you think you're strong and you feel strong, then you're likely going to take strong action. The difficult thing is, and it was difficult for me as well, was when you have years of particular thought patterns that are below the line, negative, victimizing, I'm unworthy, I'm never going to amount to anything, I'm a waste of space, uh, I'm weak, I'm, I'm taken advantage of all the time. I, like When those are your thought patterns, then that's how you feel. And then the action you take is not a strong action. It's very victimizing action. And so you get more of that in your life. Um, and it's difficult with thought patterns that you've had for years to just turn them around, right? Yeah. So when I started kickboxing, I was in, that, I was in those thought patterns that were really um, demeaning to who I was in the world. And it took a lot of a lot of time and energy. Um, it took me at, at least two years of kickboxing before I actually, my, before the action followed up with the feeling and the thought. So I always like to say that I reverse engineered it. Every day I would go to kickboxing and I would take that strong action. And it took a couple years of taking that one strong action before I actually lined up my feelings and my thoughts with the action and became a fully strong, confident woman. Yeah, I love that. And I can totally relate to that because I did mixed martial arts. And I think it took at least a year or two to feel confident at all. Um, it just yeah. takes time. So don't give up initially when, you, when it feels awkward. <laughs> it, agreed. Yes, 100%. If it's something you enjoy and love, even if it, you're not great at it or you don't feel confident at it, like keep doing the things that feel good to you or that you enjoy that those, the actions that are confident, strong actions that feel supportive of who you want to be. Keep doing that stuff. I couldn't agree more. So let's talk a little bit about your wins. Share with us what you feel most proud of accomplishing. I would say who I am in the world is what I'm most proud of accomplishing. So just, just as a, a frame of reference, you know, up until the age of 19 years old, I was uh, I was abused and bullied and I was in an abusive relationship and that's where I was headed. For me, my greatest accomplishment is that complete 180. And it's not even, I wouldn't even call it a 180. I would really refer to it as a radical transformation. There's just not any bit of me that lives as a victim any longer. And and the, the strength and confidence that I represent or show up with in the world is, is authentic and genuine. And I worked really hard for it. So 
above all, I would say that my greatest accomplishment is the work that I've done on done for myself or with myself, learning to love who I am, learning to trust myself. And then, you know, secondarily to be that person in the world and show up that way for other girls so that they can see that that's something that's possible for them too. Great. So can you tell us something that most people don't know about what it took to accomplish that? Yeah. Like I said, there was, there were a lot of, a lot of years of taking classes before I started to feel strong and confident. But then I decided that I wanted to get in the ring and I wanted to fight. And, you know, I remember my first fight, I got in there and it was funny because I fought a girl named Lisa and my name's Lisa. (laughs) Everyone was cheering for me because everyone was cheering for Lisa. So you like, you had this sort of funny, like we're in the corner and everyone's like, go Lisa, go Lisa, go Lisa. And of course she had people there that were cheering her on too, but it was just this sort of like resounding, like everyone was, was cheering for Lisa. And it was a really tough fight. And I thought, because I mostly sparred with guys before I went into that first fight, I thought, well, I can handle getting hit, you know, because I, I spar with guys and they hit me so hard, you know. But that first fight, I, she knocked my head a few times so hard. I was like, what is happening? This hurts. <laughs> and I, I just barely snuck out a one, a, a win in that fight. Like I, I think I like just won by a couple points because it was a pretty close fight. And I remember getting out of the ring, going, "I'm never going to do that again. I do not want to do that again." And then three days later, I was like, "Wait, when can I do that again?" It is such the competition and the level of effort that goes into that, you know, that event or that that fight is huge. And then it, and then that continued for me. So I had uh, so many years of training that was really difficult, but really rewarding and fighting and, um, being able to accomplish a lot of, a lot of awards and accolades as a fighter. That's so cool. I love that story. And what are the chances that both of your names ended up being Lisa? Yeah. For my first fight, it's like, everyone's cheering for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your struggles. Can you tell us about a time when you gave up on something, but now you wish you wouldn't have? You know, I think that, um, I think I have had things in the past where I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore, but I pretty much have stood behind my decision. So I would say like, I, I don't have uh, regrets thinking, oh, I wish, I wish I would have kept going. Right. I do have things that I experience like I wish they would have worked out a little bit better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I really wanted to win a world championship. And I wanted a world championship not in boxing but in kickboxing because I boxed as well. But kickboxing was always my first love and passion. And I fought on the US kickboxing team and I went to worlds um, I went to worlds one time and and won my first my first round of the fight and then lost in the semifinals. And then I just didn't get another opportunity to fight at Worlds again. I fought at the Pan American Games and won a bronze medal. Uh, but that, there wasn't, with the trajectory of my life and the work that I was doing and that I was getting older, it just didn't work out for me to fight at Worlds again. So I'm happy that I, that, you know, I feel complete with my fighting. And there's a, there's a little bit of disappointment that I never got a world championship. I would say that. Right. Understandable. (laughs) But I don't know about you, but I'm a believer. Everything happens for a reason. I know that sounds cliche, 
but if you didn't go through what you went through, you wouldn't be where you are now, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, uh, and again, it's not something I spend, it's not something I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, thinking about or being worried about that I didn't get that. And I feel like I feel very fulfilled and happy with my fight career. So right. it's not that disappointing. It's just, just, you know, it's one of those things that's just kind of there. Like, oh, I would have, I would have liked to be be able to say that I was a world champion at one point, but right. North American champion, I'll take that. I had yeah. that. So yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I found that if I give it my all and go all in, and if I fail, at least I know that I did my best. Yes, I agree. So can you share with us a story about one of the hardships that you have faced to get to where you are now? Yeah. Well, as I said, like that, that beginning point of finding the sport of kickboxing, that was, that was really a trajectory shift. You know, my life changed. And the way that I, the way that I started kickboxing was pretty hard. I was in an abusive relationship, as I said before, and on the particular day that I took my first kickboxing class, uh, he was upset and irritated with me and kind of grabbed my arm and pulled me down and pulled me down to his car and drove me to that corner where that kickboxing studio was and pushed me out of the car. So as he pushed me out of the car, he drove away and I just sat on the curb for a good, a good amount of time and cried. And then I decided that I would get up and go in and take a class. And that first class that I took was, I cried through the entire class. So whoever I was partnered up with, I'm sure was like, who is this crazy girl that's just like wailing while she's hitting stuff? And, you know, my eyes were red and puffy and it was just, it was a hard class, but it felt so good to hit. And at the end of the class, the two women that owned the studio just they recognized that I was going through something and, and, and just offered to me, like, please come back, like, come back. And I did. Um, but as I said with that, you know, you asked if I was confident right when I started. And I said, no, it took me a couple of years. It actually took me a couple of years to even get up the courage to leave that abusive relationship. So for about a year and a half, after I started kickboxing and was going to kickboxing every day, I was still in that abusive relationship and too afraid to leave. And it took me a while to get to that point where I was ready to go and ready to face it and get the courage up to leave the relationship. So what would you say to somebody else who's in that situation right now? Well, I always say the faster you can leave, the better, right? Just because, you know, typically in abusive relationships, it never gets easier. And, you know, the abuse never get lighter. It it gets deeper and it gets darker and it's dangerous. So the faster you can leave, the better. And at that, that same time at saying that, you also just have to be able to trust yourself. And I would say for me, it was taking that one action every day, like going to kickboxing and doing the kickboxing every day that kind of helped me get myself there. So if you can find something to do for yourself, if you can find something to do that fills your heart up, that feels good when you do it, then do that as much as you can. Uh, because the more you do that, the more you'll, you'll feel your value and your worth, and then you'll be able to step outside of the abusive situation. And that, you know, it's, it's so different for everyone. So it's a, that's a really hard one to, to speak to, you know, and there's different, there's different levels of 
abuse is abuse, right? But there are different levels of dangerous kinds of relationships. I've spoken and done some workshops in, sh- in shelters and recovery centers. And I would say specifically, I know some of the stories, you know, the women were almost killed and needed to actually be like physically removed by authorities because otherwise they weren't going to, they weren't going to live. So my situation wasn't quite like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't th- that, that level of, of danger. So uh, it really is a personal, it's a personal journey and it, it's very, it's different for everyone, what, what they do and how to do it. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. There's no cookie cutter answer of the right way to handle it or the right thing to do. Just take care of yourself first and foremost. Right. And I, that, that's so perfect of what you said just there, just like take care of yourself. And that's so much of what, why I like working with young girls is to speak to that. Because what I teach mainly is self-protection. And self-protection is something you use every day. It's just love yourself, take care of yourself. And if you can do those, you know, if you can do that, you're, you're generally going to be able to keep yourself safe. Yeah. And that's so cool because I don't think that's something that's taught enough to young girls. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's like a muscle. You have to keep working on it over and over in order for it to show up and be effective for you. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit before the interview and you said that you were single. Have you ever struggled with societal norms and expectations about being married or having kids? No, (laughs) I've very unapologetically been who I am. And to, you know, go back to like, I, my childhood was not happy and there was a lot of trauma. And I was really clear very early on that I didn't want to have children. And I didn't want that responsibility of even of, of bringing a life into the world and thinking that anything possible that happened to me could happen to them. I just, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. Again, I was like, I can take care of myself. I can heal myself, but I, I don't know what I would do if, my, if I had a child and they went through some of the things that I went through. So I decided not to have children and I really, I've stuck to my guns on that. And I would say I went through, I'm 44. So I went through my thirties and it was quite often a question, you know, when are you going to have kids? And I, and I'm not married now, but I was married for seven years in my thirties. Um, I'm divorced and my husband is a wonderful person. It just, we just didn't jive. We didn't have the same dreams and weren't going the same way. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, like that, that as well, like just that, you know, that making the decision to divorce, like what other people think about that. But we faced that question again and again, you know, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to, and it was always just easy for me to say, I'm not, I'm not. And I have four younger siblings that all have children. So my parents have been very lovely with me. They're, they don't, they're not, they don't need, they're not pressuring me. They don't need me to have children because they have 12, soon to be 13 grandchildren. And so I'm an aunt to 12, 13, 12, soon to be 13 nieces and nephews. And I love being an aunt. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. It's nice to be able to hang out with them and then be able to send them back to mom and dad. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So much. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about your mindset. Tell me about your mindset and how it has led to your badassery. Okay. Biggest thing is that I don't victimize myself. And that's the, the biggest difference from where I was when I was younger. 
And it's something that I see a lot of people do and you don't need to. So what happens is, you know, if something, if a circumstance occurs, people will often assign responsibility or fault to it, right? So they'll say, well, that's not my fault. You know, I mean, maybe like we're looking at, you know, global warming and people will say, well, that's not my fault. Or we're looking at, you know, we're looking at just a severe uprising of racism in our country that has, that has always been there, but you know, now people are talking about it and to say, well, it's not my, it's not my fault. Right. Or we'll look at something in a relationship and maybe we made a mistake or we lied about something or we betrayed someone and then we'll say, oh, it's all my fault. So people will take this, like, it's not my fault. It is my fault. And depending on that stance, you pretty much limit your ability to handle it. Cause if something's not your fault, you're going to, you're, whatever. It's not my fault. I can't do anything about it. If something's all your fault, then you blame and you guilt and you shame yourself because you're a bad person. So instead, like my mindset is really like whatever comes into my life is my responsibility. So I don't have, I don't talk about fault. I just talk about responsibility. So a great example about this is like global warming and trash and litter. And we've got like a complete world of plastic in the ocean. I didn't put it there, but when I'm walking down the street and I see a piece of trash on the ground, it's coming into my world. I don't want a trash-filled world. So I reach down and I pick it up and I bring it with me until I can throw it in a trash can. My friends, my friends do this now too because anytime people walk with me, at first they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm picking up trash. I don't want trash on the ground, so I'm going to pick it up. Same, if I see... If I see people treating other people unkindly or if I see overt racism happening in in the world and in my sphere, then I'm going to speak to it. I'm going to stand up and say something because I don't I don't want this, I don't want that in the world, right? And I don't ask myself is it my fault or not my fault? It's just coming into my world so it's my responsibility. And that's my I would say like my greatest mindset to not be a victim is like if something happens I'm going to take care of it. It's my responsibility. And the circumstances of any situation may or may not be in your control, but they are circumstances in your life. So they can be your responsibility if you choose to see it that way. Yeah, I love that. It's all about how we choose to react to things. And then I think things are so different when we take ownership of them. So I really like that. Can you share with us one of your greatest mindset hacks for confidence and self-esteem? Yeah, this too shall pass. Nice. So like if you're in a you're if you're in an uncomfortable situation, you feel embarrassed or you don't have confidence in the situation, it's not going to last forever. So just this too shall pass. I mean, and sometimes you're in situations where you feel so confident and you're rocking it. That's great. Do it. Just know that that's going to pass too cuz there's <laughs> going to be times in your life where you feel embarrassed or where you don't feel confident or where you're struggling. And all of it is going to pass because your life goes like this, right? And how you feel goes like this. So just know that it's not going to last forever and it's going to pass. Yeah, I like that. Do you have a mantra or a meditation practice? I do, yes. I love meditation and I, I do it in a lot of different ways that are unconventional. So 
sometimes I, sometimes I do a traditional meditation practice. Uh, I'm trained in Vipassana meditation and I'm also trained in TM. What's TM? Transcend, transcendental meditation. Oh, okay. Yep. So it's like using, it's using a sound that you, that you repeat over and over during your meditation practice. Okay. Whereas Vipassana is more of just a, a, an emptying the mind. So I, I, I've used, I use both of those, which I enjoy. And then I also will sometimes just dance. Like I'll turn on music and just dance. And that's my meditation. Sometimes I get on my rollerblades and I rollerblade and that's my meditation. So for me, meditation is always just an intentional, uh, intentional practice for, my, for myself to bring calm and peace and equanimity into my life. So if I feel more at peace and calm and with whatever it is that I'm doing and I intentionally do it, then I call that a meditation practice. Do you have a set time that you do it or you just do it when you feel you need to? Yeah, I do it when I feel I need to. I would say I spend at least a couple minutes every morning with a meditation, um, but I don't have any, I don't have a set time when I'm like, okay, mostly if I feel out of sorts, then I know, then I'll be like, whoa, I need to bring it down. I need to do a little meditation. Yeah, I started doing meditation in the morning and it has been such a game changer. I think I resisted it for so long, but it just kind of relaxes you or makes you more at peace throughout the day. Yeah, agreed. So let's talk a little bit about a tip that you could share with us. If you could share one tip that you wish every female knew about, what would it be? Pay attention to the words you put after I am. That's what I would say. We use the words I am often many times throughout the day. And we're not always being mindful of what we put behind them. And they are our power words. I am, those are your two most powerful words because you're creating your reality with those words. Whatever you put behind them is who you will become. So if you wake up every morning and you say, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And that's like, that's how you start your day. You're going to become a tired person. You know, again, talking about circumstances, like the circumstances of your, of the night before might've been that you didn't get enough sleep or that you stayed up too late or that you binge watch stranger things. If that's the case and you wake up tired, then you feel tired. You aren't tired. So you, so making that distinction of, I feel tired this morning. And of course I feel tired. I didn't get enough sleep last night. Instead of saying, I am tired. And watching it always, because women will say, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed out, I'm exhausted, you know? And those I am's are, is that who you want to be in the world? Do you want to be overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted? If that's not who you want to be, then be really mindful about how you use those words. Because you can feel stressed out, but you don't need to call yourself a stressed out person, unless that's what you want to become. So using the words I am and paying attention to how you use them and being very intentional and mindful with them would be one of my biggest tips. And when you use that I am, use it in a loving way. So I always teach the first rule of self-protection in my program is FLY. And it's an acronym. First, love yourself. So it's very important to love yourself. And this is not you know, the, the, the pushback I get from women specifically is like, well, I can't be selfish. I don't want to be selfish. 
I would disagree with that. I think selfish is good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yet, and yet I will still say like first loving yourself is not being selfish. It's knowing your value and your worth and, and believing in yourself and trusting yourself. So you do that when you use those words, I am, I'm worthy, I'm confident, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm awesome. Just use those words mindfully. And how do you apply that in your life? You just, do you say I am stuff regularly or watch what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I do it all the time. So I love like, if I were to ask you, who are you? What would you say? I would what say. What would your answer? Yeah. I would say I'm strong. I'm confident. I'm authentic and I'm powerful. Yeah. So that is, that's amazing. Right. And I, I'll ask that question to a 10 year old in a workshop and they'll be, then they'll say, I'm Lisa. Like, no, that's your name. You know, your name is not who you are. Tell me who you are. And it's amazing how difficult um, it can be for them to come up with even three, right? Yeah. So practice. I, I practice a lot. So I could just go like, I'm confident. I'm silly. I'm weird. I'm adventurous. I'm curious. I'm funny. I'm loyal. I'm patient. I'm kind hearted. I'm brilliant. I'm smart. Like if you practice it, it feels good. And the more you practice it, the better you get at it. Right. Yeah, no, totally. I, I used to, well, I work in law enforcement, but when I would get ready to go to work every day, I would say like, I am things to myself, like five things. And I would say them every day to myself, like on my way to work, just to, to motivate myself and to get confidence. I love that. Yeah. I, it's, it's a great, it's a great way to become more confident. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's talk a little bit about badass advice. What was your turning point for accomplishing your goals and becoming a badass? You know, the turning point I would say happened over that time period where I was learning how to fight and getting in the ring and, uh, and becoming a fighter. It was during that space of time and those years of healing the trauma that I had experienced and the victimization that I believe that I had believed about myself for so long. It was during those years that I really gra like grabbed onto my mindset, as I shared with you, that no matter what the circumstance is, if it comes into my world, it's my responsibility. I don't feel sorry for myself very often. And sometimes I'll have a moment where I realize that I'm feeling sorry for myself or I'm victimizing myself. And then I'll give myself, you know, a day or three hours or 20 minutes or whatever. I'm like, okay, this is how long you get to feel sorry for yourself, Lisa. And then you're moving on and you're going to handle it. And that was probably, you know, that's like the biggest thing for me, learning, learning to not feel sorry for myself and learning to take responsibility is what has helped me just do the badass things that I've done. Because, you know, I'll, I'll be like, well, this is something that I want to do. And then, you know, writing a book, like writing a book or speaking to groups or setting up a program or creating a website or starting your own business. Like all of those things that I've done are, are things that you might in your head go, well, like, I don't know if I can do that. Or I don't know if I'm smart enough. Or I don't know if I have, if people want to hear what I have to say. And any of those, those conversations that you're having with yourself, they're just feeling sorry for yourself. Like you're just feeling sorry for yourself if you say, I don't, I don't know if I have something that people want to hear. Come on. <laughs> of course you have something that people want to hear. Right. There are billions of people on this planet. 
there are at least two people out there that need to hear what you have to say, you yeah. know? And yeah, sorry for yourself. You don't get enough likes or you don't have enough followers or you don't get a publisher or whatever. Just do your work in the world and don't have an expectation of any particular outcome. Just do what you need to do and put it out there. Yep. There's somebody out there that definitely needs to hear it and they might only be able to hear it, you know, the way that you can say it. Do you have a morning or an evening routine that you can share with us? Yeah, I just recently do now. So I, well, <laughs> I say recently, like I used to have a morning routine of like hit the snooze button <laughs> four or five times until I, I absolutely have to get out of bed and then roll out of bed and then brush my teeth and rush out the door. <laughs> but um, I, I just got back from a writing retreat and I've been working on a book that I'm writing and I've always been a writer. So I've always enjoyed writing and I would say kind of have done it sporadically in my life. Getting back from this retreat, I have created, um, I've created a morning and evening routine of writing. So I've been writing in the evenings and then in the mornings as well. And does that give you peace or calm you down or consistency, anything like that? It feels really good. Like I, I feel really good when I'm putting my thoughts onto paper and whether or not there's something that are, that are going to see like a Facebook page or an Instagram post or get published someday doesn't matter to me as much as just, as just writing. Like it feels very, um, you know, when you do something that feels, it just feels, it feels necessary to me, to Mm -hmm. my, to my wholeness to be writing. And to be writing regularly. So, yeah. So I would say it brings a lot of calm and peace for me. Yeah, that's nice. And then also when you're getting up, like what better than to have something that brings you joy, you know? Yeah. Can you tell us one thing that you have learned from a woman in your life? Yeah. So remember my story about starting kickboxing and that first day crying and the two sisters that, that owned that studio telling me to come back? Mm-hmm. So their names are Suzanne and Beth, and I, I learned from them that it can be just as easy as seeing and recognizing someone. Sometimes you don't have to give advice, and you don't have to share tips, and you don't have to do anything other than just look another woman in the eyes, and even to yourself in your head without saying it out loud, just say, I see you. I see you. I recognize you. I love you. Um, and seeing that, seeing that individual as you as well, as, as you, and you experiencing another life. And for me, it's been something that I've taken, you know, I have a program that has a curriculum and I go in and I teach the whole curriculum. And I think that all of that stuff has value, but some of my most important workshops have been the ones where I've just been able to look at another girl and, and just said to myself, I see you while I'm looking at her and the impact that that has. And it was so impactful to me when Suzanne and Beth, because I didn't feel seen and I didn't feel recognized or witnessed. And so when they did that for me, it was life-changing. Nice. Yeah. I think it's important sometimes, like you said, to just be like, to be there and just be an ear or just, you know, for them to know that somebody's going to show up. So can you tell us how often do you read? And can you recommend a book and share why? I love reading. (laughs) 
Me too. I, I, love, too. I love reading. So, yes, I can. Okay, but this is going to be hard because then I, wanna, I have all the books that I want to share with you. <laughs> um, so I want to try to keep it. For nonfiction, I love The Seven Spiritual Laws of Superheroes. It's a Deepak Chopra book, also his, written with his son. Like it was a father, son, they teamed up and, and wrote it. So it's, it's really good. And it just is a powerful book. Um, for nonfiction, I have an author that I really love. Her name is Alexander Franzen. And she wrote a book called So This is the End. And it's a, it's a love story. And it's nonfiction, but it has a very, very deep, meaning to it because essentially the question gets asked if you only had 24 hours left to live what would you do and i think that's a really powerful way to live your life like if you woke up every morning and said this could be my last day what am i going to do with it um so even though it's a non or even though it's a fiction book and it's a romance story it's really powerful about this girl and how she wakes up and finds out she has got essentially one day left to live well, I'll, I'll recommend those too, but I think there's so many good books out there and I love reading. So I read a lot. What do you recommend to the girls that you work with? That's funny. I don't, I don't think with young girls, I don't think I've actually been in a, in a situation where I've set, said, Oh, read this book. I did write a book for girls. It's called a girl's guide to harnessing superpowers and it's going through a redesign right now. And it's a workbook. So you can, you can actually read it and practice becoming more confident while you read the book. But nice. When's that come out? Yeah. The redesign. It's, it's in its final stages right now. And I'm hoping that just by the fall, because with the book are three, de- there's card decks too. You can shuffle the cards and pull an I am. So oh, it helps nice. you get better. It helps you get better at that. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. And having a mantra with you every day. Um, so I'm hoping by the time the school year starts up, the redesign will be set and everything will be for sale. That sounds really cool. I'm interested in seeing that. What do you wish that everyone knew about overcoming obstacles and confidence? I wish that every girl knew her worth and value and her significance. You know, our world is, is full of people and in a sense, none of us are, are significant. And then in the same sense, we all are, are each very significant. So it's like kind of balancing this paradox of like, my life has no meaning and my life has so much meaning, right? The, uh, the thing is, is that if we don't know our worth and value, then it's very easy to feel sorry for ourselves. Uh, when you do trust yourself and love yourself and know your worth and value, then you can go out there, like you can go out there and do what you need to do and do what you love without without concern for the outcome, right? Because your confidence, yeah. your confidence and worth is not based on whether or not you're successful. Your confidence and worth is just based on this is who I am and I need to share that with the world. And whoever likes it, likes it. And whoever doesn't, doesn't. And that's okay. And, and whatever, whatever, the, whatever people say about what you produce or what you create, it doesn't have that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't have, it, it, it doesn't, doesn't hold matter. the weight. Not, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It doesn't hold that weight. You know, your value and your worth is just inherent. So yeah. I would say to, 
know that your value and your worth is inherent just by you being here on this planet your your value you're valuable and you're worthy nice and i guess if you think that way you know it doesn't put so much pressure on yourself when you're facing obstacles because you're just going to do what you can do right I, I competed twice on american ninja warrior oh nice and it was so yeah, it was super fun. I was so great. Like I like uh, auditioned and applied and didn't really even think that I anything was going to happen. And then they called me and they're like, come on the show. And then I went on the show and I like did not do great, but I had so much fun. Yeah. Like I so fell, cool. I fell on the second obstacle and I had a blast, you know? And I think that if it was something that I really, really cared about, I would have trained and practiced and, you know, it might've, been more upsetting to me to fall when I fell. I know some, I know some people that go on that show and like really work hard and it's disappointing when it doesn't work out. And you know, I understand that when you put a lot of energy and time and effort into something and it doesn't work out, it is disappointing. Yeah. And guess what? It's also okay. And you get to try again, you know, you get to try again. Yes. It doesn't feel like it at the time. It feels like a letdown, but usually it makes you stronger in the end. Yeah. So let's end with a tip to empower women and tell how the audience can connect with you. Okay. Got this. That's, that's, that's it. I, I want to say to all of you, you got this. Like, don't give up. And my tip is really, if something brings you happiness and joy, then in you know, do it and don't have an expectation of it having to turn out a certain way. Do it for the love of doing it and do it because you feel more complete for doing it. And then whatever happens with it, don't give up. Just keep doing it as long as you love it. As long as it brings you joy, just keep doing it. And how can the audience connect with you? You can find me at my website, which is lisavanon.com. It's L-I-S-A-V-A-N-A-H-N.com. And that is like an umbrella site. It has all, you know, it takes you, it can take you to a couple different sites and a couple different things that I do, but that's the best place to find me. And then it's super easy because it's not a really common name, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's my, that's my social handle. So you can find me on Facebook at Lisa Van On. You can find me on Instagram at Lisa Van on. You can even find me at Twitter, but you really won't find me at Twitter because I never use it. But I do have a Pinterest Lisa Van on and all of the places. Just look for Lisa Van on and I'll show up. Nice. I can relate to you on that. I don't I don't have Twitter and I'm unfamiliar with it, so I get it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa. You have been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. With that, we will end our show. And to all you badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, ordinarytobadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's ordinarytobadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt and get back in the arena.